From Fortress Funds Managers, this is Do It For Grantly, a podcast where we speak with women and men in Barbados about their Grantleys and other money matters. I'm Kim Howard, Marketing Manager at Fortress, and my co-host is Omar Kennedy. Hello, listeners. An entrepreneur, author, and former financial manager. We've come to the end of our fourth season, the COVID-19 edition. And for today's episode, Funding the Future, we're delighted to have with us Michelle Hustler, a trade and business development specialist who focuses on trade and services. We're also joined by Peter Lawrence Thompson from Wuna Consultants. Peter is an experienced nonprofit management consultant and fundraising executive who earlier this year wrote a blog post that set the wheels in motion for what's now known as the Barbados Welcome Stamp. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. So let's get to it. Financial security doesn't grow on trees. It's built brick by brick with smart investments and a strong partner. To retirement, education, and whatever your future may hold, we say, bring it on. At Fortress Fund Managers, we're not afraid of the hard work, long hours, or steady saving, just like you aren't. We know better than anyone that you can't just hope for good luck. Call Fortress Fund Managers on 435-7777 to build your personal fortress. Your future, our business, Fortress. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Do It For Grantly. I'm Kim Howard. I'm Omar Kennedy. And Do It For Grantly is a production of Fortress Fund Managers. Fortress is a mutual fund company operating in Barbados since 1996, and we just provide mutual funds. That is all we do. Um, Omar is going to tell you a little bit more about what mutual funds are. A mutual fund is an investment product which puts together the money from all the investors, persons like yourself who want to invest, and puts it in one large pool. Then Fortress takes the money and invests it all over the world for you. What happens is mutual funds operate on the principle of diversification, not putting all of your eggs in one basket. So, as such, when you invest in with, with Fortress, you could be investing not only in Barbados and, and the region, you'd be investing in the United States, you'd be investing in Canada, all over Europe, in Asia, all anywhere in the world where there are solid investments. You know, Fortress, using their, their experience as fund managers, will invest for you. So that way, you get to minimize any potential risk while maximizing any returns. And maximizing returns is what we like to do. Absolutely. <laughs> I also want to remind listeners that we have been, I mean, we're wrapping up this season now, but we've been doing this podcast for a while and there are at least 24 other episodes that you can listen wow. to, uh, all available on various podcast apps, as well as our website, fortressfund.com slash podcast. Things like saving versus investing, family money matters, uh, retirement planning, empowering female investors. Those are some of the very many topics that we've covered over the time that we've been doing this show. So I wanted to introduce today's guest. Uh, for the first time, we have with us Peter Lawrence Thompson, who's from Wuna Consultants. He's an experienced nonprofit management consultant and fundraising executive. Hi, Peter. Hi, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm happy to have you here and happy that you could join us. We also have Michelle Hustler. Michelle is a trade and business specialist focusing on trade and services. How are you, Michelle? I'm fine. Thank you. And thank you for having me as well. All right. Good to have you both. And uh, Michelle and Peter, y'all didn't know each other before today, right? No, no, we, we didn't. didn't. But we just found out that y'all both went to the same university. Yeah. Yes, but uh, a few years apart. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a couple. Yeah. Small matter. Small matter. So I want to talk, we've been focusing this season about on, on COVID-19, 
and the impact that it's had on our societies, our individual lives, and so on. So I just wanted to talk first about um, how you've dealt with it, both personally and professionally. How has it impacted what you do in terms of work and so on? Well, I've been relatively lucky Mm -hmm. in that a lot of my work I was already doing by distance and online. But it's impacted the community in in a devastating way because a lot of my clients are either non-profit organizations or startup businesses. Mm. And so they are fragile even in the best of times. And so with this pandemic, it has had a really catastrophic effect on many of them. Okay, wow. And what about you, Michelle? Well, I think I want to echo what Peter just said is I I work remotely, I work from home, and I work internationally. Mm -hmm. So um, it hasn't impacted me as of yet, necessarily. It's impacted the international consulting community. Uh, All of our work now is is grounded from our desks. We're not traveling as we once would for for international consultancies. Um, I work in a lot of export development. And I think everything is, is has taken a pause a little bit, and now it's ramping back up. But we're just doing it differently, as in all everything is online now. Okay. When we consider the biggest financial contributors to the Barbadian economy, you know that tourism immediately comes to mind, and of course, you know, Crop Over Festival, which we would have unfortunately had to cancel for this year. So we know tourism was heavily impacted. The economy is slowly opening back up. But for you guys as consultants, where have you seen it um, uh, outside of tourism and the restaurant industry? How has it impacted you guys as consultants? Well, it has, for example, in the nonprofit and charitable community, what it has done is simultaneously dramatically increased the demand for their services while decreasing the resources that they have to provide those services. And so we have had to adapt. Uh, There's a lot of collaboration going on between different agencies to try to put things together. There is a lot of creative thinking. Definitely. Michelle? Well, I think in in general, I read an interesting statistic yesterday is that it's expected that the pandemic will push another 40 to 60 million people into extreme poverty. Um, Like Peter mentioned, worldwide, Mm -hmm. yes, obviously worldwide, 40 (laughs) to 60 million people into extreme poverty. Um, It means that we've had to take, and in terms of trade, uh, the second quarter of 2020, trade in goods dropped 18.5%. Trade in services, the figures are a little bit more difficult to capture, but they're saying at least 50% of trade in services has been affected. Uh, so we've had there, we've had to think of different ways um, of, of doing things. And uh, in terms of trade in services, I would imagine that... Well, no, you can tell me, to be, to be clear, because I have a particular picture in mind, but you can tell me the types of trade and services that you're normally focused on in your consultancy and then the ways that those may have been impacted? It varies. Um, I've recently done some projects uh, in Colombia and Costa Rica, which dealt with the ICT and digital creative sectors. Um, I was right now working, just finished up a, or just finishing up in a project in Bangladesh, which is not in trade and services, it's trade and goods, but dealing with the jute sector and the agro-processing sector mm-hmm. in Bangladesh. Uh, I also deal with health and wellness and the creative and cultural industries. And 
every sector, I mean, I think we could agree that every facet of our lives, every sector in the world, everything has been affected by the pandemic. So nothing remains untouched. <laughs> Agreed. Um, just to step back, you said you mentioned ICT for the or listeners who may not understand what ICT is. What, what, what is that? Uh, information and communications technology. So specifically, how to export services like um, app development or oh, website okay. development, or in the creative and cultural industry, or in the creative digital creative sector, mm-hmm. things like um, animation or video game development. Okay, wonderful. Now, um, there's a, there's a, a, a topical piece which um, is permeating Barbados right now. Um, it is a 12 month visa program. Um, what do you guys think about it? Can you tell me what benefits do you think will arise out of this um, widely lauded um, um, initiative? Well, I can speak to that because <laughs> in a way I'm, I'm almost to blame. Um, <laughs> the, I would agree. <laughs> what happened was that in April we were in lockdown and I was arguing on the internet as I am prone to do and someone asked me, after I said that tourism was going to suffer catastrophically for years, well, what should we do? And I took the question seriously. And because our competitive advantage has always been our climate, our social climate, I began to think of how that could be put to a different use. And at the same time, my man, much of my family still lives in North America. My sons, my sister, my brother, and I was talking to them often and talking about remote working and how that was working and how it was changing corporate culture there. And so I wrote a blog, and nobody reads my blog. I read it. Until then. <laughs> <laughs> until then. And all of a sudden traffic just exploded and you went viral yeah (laughs) and a a connected person in Barbados said put this in a two-page memo without cussing the government (laughs) (laughs) and I will put it in front of ministers and the Prime Minister and so I did right at the end of April And, of course, I do not have very high expectations of government processes, so I expected, you know, a green paper, (laughs) a white paper. Maybe in 2021 I would hear something. So I was astonished when PM Motley launched her initiative in July. (laughs) And because I had the experience of the reaction to my blog, it was not a surprise to me that it has just exploded. I mean, we've had over a thousand applicants in Mm -hmm. the first month. Mm -hmm. And the people I'm talking to from overseas, because I've had so many conversations, ongoing conversations with people who are interested, it is clear to me that we can make this a very, very sustainable and profitable part of our economy. I mean, the numbers aren't hard to to calculate. A thousand people a month, it's only been going a month. 
so let's say we get 10,000 applications in the first year. And we have 4,300 Airbnbs, and I'm not counting the ones that are just rooms in somebody's houses. We have all these apartment hotels like Divi Southwinds. We can accommodate 10,000. Comfortably. Mm -hmm. 10,000 times average monthly rent of, say, 2,000 U.S., times the other spend on groceries and gasoline and car rental and entertainment. Let's just conservatively say another 2,000 U.S. That's 10 to 12 times 2. That's 480 million U.S. dollars per year. The government take at 2,000 times, so that's another 20 million directly to the government in visa fees. So we're talking half a billion US dollars. There is no other industry we can build to half a billion US dollars in income, which is basically an export industry, all foreign exchange, within a year's time. This is our life raft. If I may, I did some mm -hmm. data digging yesterday to see out how, how much we do export in goods, for example, and it's not close to half a billion. It's under half a billion of all of the goods that we export in Barbados in a year. I think it was 400, uh, and 44, $444 million. So half a billion, under half a billion in all of our industries. And that's Barbados currency that's or Barbados? US? That's US, oh, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Were you just calculating in US? Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, US. He was, he was okay. talking about Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I love the idea. So thanks, Peter, for bringing it to the attention Agreed. of the government. I love that it brings tourism to the community level. You know, oftentimes we, we don't see the benefits directly. So people stay in all inclusives. It, it, the money go, leaves the country. And yes, there's employment. But I'm, I'm part of a Facebook group where I'm, I'm helping to answer a lot of questions from people who are coming in. Mm -hmm. And they're asking about things like, you know, housekeepers and gardeners and extracurricular activities for their children. And where do they get groceries? And where do they go to the hardware store? And where do they eat? And where, you know, and I Sensible, see... practical questions. Yeah. Questions that bring the money right into the hands of the people, right? I see people looking at apartments or asking about, um, you know, all over the island, not just on the south and the west and the, uh, mm -hmm. by the seafronts. There are going to be these people who are staying everywhere, who are supporting our local community mini marts, the local fish and chip places, the local vegetable stands. Um, I and I, I love that. I love that it's 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 in the hands of the people, much closer than than traditional tourism models are. And and a good thing as as what we had discussed and we, what can be inferred is that because they're working remotely anyway, so they don't need to be centered around Warrens or Bridgetown. Right. They could go on the East Coast and sit down and watch the, the, the sunrise every day. With a lot next to me. Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> you know, so I, I think it's a fun. And another thing, thing I love about this idea is that when you have people living in the country for a year, they become connected to the country. They build friendships. They support local causes. They volunteer. They share their expertise. They give back. They return as visitors. They're not going to come for one year and never come back again. They're going to keep coming back. And their now friends will a, come. Well, they've oh, built yeah. a relate, and they'll tell their friends. They'll tell their family. We're building more than just a tourist coming in for a week, not even leaving the compound of the of the hotel. They're building kind of permanent roots in the country now, which will have a rebound effect after the year. It'll keep going on and on and on. 
And what's quite innovative and brilliant is that it's renewable. Right. If you yeah. come for a year and you like it and your kids are happy and they've got friends here, renew it. Keep keep on coming. Yeah, I heard one um the minister one of the ministers saying that too, that you know, after a year and you're happy here, your kids are settled here or relatively settled here for the time being, you're not necessarily concerned about relocating again, then they're not going to kick you out. So Mm -hmm. there's provision for extending that. Um, At that point, I guess you stop becoming a long-term tourist and become a short-term resident or or, or something, (laughs) some some other categorization. But I really think it's brilliant. I've even seen that some other islands, um, I think Bahamas has started there. And Bermuda. And Bermuda. Mm -hmm. So... You're really, um, I don't know, is there any way that you can monetize your <laughs> idea? <laughs> well, I'm lucky enough to be comfortable. Okay. But um, I have just started a company called Remote Work Barbados, mm-hmm. remoteworkbarbados.com, because the success of this initiative depends on our ability to meet the needs of all these people coming in suddenly. Yes. And... At first, I was whining about what the government wasn't doing Mm -hmm. until somebody told me, well, it's not their job. So if you feel it should be done, figure out a way of getting it done. So Mm -hmm. I've got a small founders team. We hope to launch in just a couple of weeks. And basically, it's a concierge service for everything that this group of people coming to Barbados might need. And of course, we don't know everything. That we, need. We, need, we know some things. Mm-hmm. We know they'll need a place to live. We know they need a vehicle. If they have children, they need to take care of their children's education and childcare and that sort of family service. But we are going to learn as we go going forward, whatever there is a demand for, we will find the local experts to put these two markets together. The other thing that I'm really excited about is that it enables really grassroots entrepreneurs to provide services through the platform at a professional level because I can take care of all the stuff like charging credit cards Mm. and insurance. So... All the things that keep people out of the formal sector of the economy, I can start getting small-scale entrepreneurs roped into the formal sector. I, 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 I see no problems here. Um, the only thing that crossed my mind is because you talked about the formal sector, and in an earlier episode this season, we talked about the fact that one of the, one of the challenges, I mean, there are plenty, take your pick, of this pandemic was the number of people that are in the informal sector. And so there was not really any cushion for them. Um, I don't suppose this pre- presents a solution in that regard, but at least it gives them another means of, a- of earning. Yes. And generating income. Exactly. The, Absolutely. Mm-hmm, the, well, go, go ahead, Kim. The other thing, uh, I, I mean, I think this is great, and especially because, you know, we, we beat up tourism a lot. Uh, we are very dependent on it. We definitely realize how dependent we are with the lockdown. Uh, but it's it's definitely something that we also realize that it can be a very fickle industry. So what other options do you, both of you are positioned as consultants to a number of businesses in Barbados and elsewhere. What other options do you see that we're ripe for in terms of 
um, developing the Barbadian economy that are less reliant on tourism, if any? Well, we've been talking about trade and services for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it's turned into a tangible increase in trade and services. <laughs> um, from my experience, people need a lot of hand-holding to get them to look at outside markets and to get them into, into these markets. And a level of hand-holding that we haven't provided as of yet, and I'm not sure if we're willing to provide it, you know? Um, so definitely, like, I mean, Omar's um, bit on mutual funds, about diversifying in international markets, it's the same with people and jobs. You know, I work anywhere where there's an opportunity. If I see an opportunity, no matter what country, we were just hoping, or we got shortlisted for a project in Jordan and Morocco. We, we didn't end up bidding on the project because we couldn't find the right local partner, but we were shortlisted for a project. And this is what I mean. I, I will put my feelers out there and go after any project anywhere in the world. So, um, you know, Bangladesh, for example, is not a traditional export market of Barbados by any means. But this is the thing you have to look at where there's opportunity and go after the opportunity. And we have to become more comfortable in doing that and chasing opportunities and in looking at exports. As a region, we're very inward looking. Mm. And at best, we look regionally. And that's even those are kind of optimistic companies that even look regionally. We have very few people who are looking internationally. And there's a synergy here between trade in services and people working remotely in Barbados. Because, of course, it's a truism that, you know, it's not simply what you know, it's who you know mm-hmm. to get ahead in any endeavor in the world. The thing is that when people are working remotely here and living here, we are building linkages with where they came from. True. So now we, don't, we do know somebody mm-hmm. who has a connection on their LinkedIn to the guy we really need to talk to. Agreed. And a lot of the times, persons who are coming to Barbados under this program, they will be, most. a lot of them be managers, persons who have influence. And those are some of the persons who you would need to get into the inroads, you know, um, in different countries around the world. Absolutely. And furthermore, of course, one of the industries which is most adept and adaptable to remote working is the technology industry. Mm-hmm. So... In my dreams, I really want to engineer a brain drain, but toward us, (laughs) (laughs) rather than everybody leaving. And so I know the culture of technology industries. Mm -hmm. They will have a good job making 150 or 200K a year, but they will have a side hustle. They'll have an idea and they'll keep their job, but they'll need another developer to work on this. I want that to be a Bajan developer. Okay. Understood. Understood. So we've discussed um, a a lot of things just now um, which can and are being put into place. So do we believe that the local economy, the Barbadian economy, will ever see a full financial recovery? I think it will, but it will take time. The thing is that... um, Necessity is the mother of invention. Absolutely. Our poverty rate, generally, is around 15 to 17%. Unless we engineer, re-engineer our economy, it's going to go to 40 to 45%. That sort of poverty rate has devastating effects on the social fabric. And so those of us who are lucky enough to not be at risk 
of poverty owe it to Barbados as a whole to figure out how to save all of us. That's I like that. And that's I I mean that's one of the most powerful things I've heard said on this podcast. Absolutely. Um and it's one one of those things I could definitely identify with and I think that we have be, been drifting towards a place of very a very individualistic place where we just think about ourselves and how we're getting through not realizing that when other people are not getting through when a significant enough number of people aren't getting through it detracts from how much you can get through and so like you said if we get to the levels where we have 40 to 45 percent of poverty in barbados it's going to be a completely different place than what we live in now so we can't take it for granted and um we 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 do need to try to make sure that we can lift everybody help lift everybody up absolutely i would like to add that it would even um have serious effects on the same program that that we're all just discussing if crime went up significantly because persons are desperate persons will be, persons would not want to use the program or they may not stay for the entire 12 months because they may not feel safe so we have uh, we have to be our brother's keeper yeah and even before even before you get to the people who may be participants in the 12-month visa program it could also lead those are the kind of things that lead to brain drain and people and people leaving the country. We don't have to look very far in the region to see where that has happened. So actually, no, we can look right here because for years in Barbados, that's why people left because of better opportunities, not necessarily because of instability, but because of better opportunities that they were seeking abroad because things here were not good. Um, so yes, we, we don't want to get to that point and I definitely take that point, Peter. Um, there is one thing that Michelle mentioned that I just want you to, if you can expand on it at all uh, at this point, you said that people need a lot of handholding in terms of developing um, their export of services. Is there anything in the, I mean, obviously that may be, require some long-term building, but is there anything in the short term that we could do in Barbados to help with that? I think we need to put more money where our mouth is. I mean, we talk about agriculture a lot mm-hmm. and we talk about trade and services a lot, but do we dedicate a lot of resources to those sectors? And uh, I mean, I don't have the, the figures. I don't know the answer. I do know, for example, that the gentleman farming my mother's land has been waiting for two years to have some debushing services that are supposed to be offered to him um, because there's not enough equipment available on the island. And then this is not just in the agriculture sector, but it's also in the services sector. We, we have a, a very small organization responsible for the development of the services sector in Barbados, which is the Barbados Coalition of Service Industries. Mm-hmm. It's a small organization. Is it receiving enough funding? Is it receiving enough support? Are there enough employees to be able to pull the people along? Are there enough people you know, outside of that organization who could also offer service? Peter offers um, services at the entrepreneurial level. I offer services at the export level i mean those resources are available how much is available in barbados i i you know i'm not sure okay all right so put our mouth where put our money money where our mouth is because <laughs> we got a lot of mouth it's not the mouth that we're lacking all right thanks for that we, we understand things on a macro level how things are operating but i speak to you guys on a personal level now um how has covid affected your own relationship with your own money um, as as an individual and as business persons? Well, hmm. it has, of course, made me more careful and in some ways 
conservative because you want to conserve cash because you know bad times are on the horizon. But given that, I'm still, you know, jumping into a new startup, which is <laughs> always a high risk. But you learn to figure out strategies for reducing your risk. If this were 20, 30 years ago, I probably would be mostly doing it alone. Now, with a little more wisdom and understanding of risk reduction, I went out and found partners, people, co-founders who can help me and spread the risk. Spread the risk. And you do that by spreading the reward. I mean, you walk up to somebody and you say, yeah, you can have some equity without digging into their pockets because you want their capacities. So it's an exercise in unselfishness <laughs> because you have to be unselfish to prosper together. I like to have a, a shameless plug here. Um, Fortress Mutual Funds works on the same principle. You know, with mutual funds, you diversify the risk and you also diversify the reward as well. Very well said. Mm -hmm. Michelle, what about you? Have you had any change in how you look at your money or your relationship with your money just coming out of this? Well, not even coming, living through this crisis. For consulting, it's for me, it's always been feast or famine. That's how consulting works. Mm. Um, you either have a lot of work or you don't have any work and you're panicking. I think how it's changed is I'm, I'm now thinking even more than ever, how do I diversify my revenue streams? And also, I've been thinking of a lot of ideas like Peter's and how do I support the community that we all can can benefit and I, I have some projects in the works that I hope will see fruition that will support my local community especially my local community I live in Bashaba I love the area I love the community it's actually growing right now mm -hmm. I keep seeing action happening in Bashaba and I really love that and I want to be able to help that to continue to grow and to to you know, to be something in Barbados awesome well, thank you both very much. Um, this has been a really great discussion on which we can absolutely we can end right here. And I'm thankful that both of you were able to join us today. So thanks a lot. Thank it was you. An awesome thank podcast. You thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Omar. <laughs> uh, the I just want to remind all of our listeners as we wrap up. Thank you for listening to another season of Do It For Grantly. And we encourage you to send us your feedback. You can email us at info at fortressfund.com or you can send us a voice note at fortressfund.com slash podcast or just message us on Facebook or Instagram. We appreciate all of your feedback and your comments. And um, make sure to listen to this episode. Uh, sorry, all of our other episodes if you've missed any before. And thank you for tuning in. Bye. Bye-bye. Do It For Grantly is a production of Fortress Fund Managers. You can listen to and download all our episodes in all the good places podcasts are available or on our website, fortressfund.com. That's fortressfund.com, where you can also find this episode's show notes explaining all the financial terms we mentioned in the show. Remember to let us know what you think about the podcast, this episode, or other money matters. You can send us a voice note at fortressfund.com slash podcast, email us at info at fortressfund.com, or send us a message on Facebook or Instagram at Fortress Fund Managers. Most people find out about podcasts through recommendations, so please spread the word and tell your friends about our show. Until next time, I'm Kim Howard. And I'm Omar Kennedy. Thanks for listening. <laughs>